morning. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I love that time of worship, just getting to so sweetly sing about our Jesus as we enter into this time of Christmas. And whether you like it or not, whether you're ready for it or not, Christmas season is here. Even just this past week, the calendar flipped to December, and we had the Marshall Christmas Parade. Many of you were downtown for that on Monday, and the downtown open houses this weekend. Even for us, for our family, we got our Christmas tree this week and got our new house decorated for Christmas for the first time, and we've been listening to some Christmas music, watching Christmas movies, and uh, it's, uh, it's been really fun. I have to be honest with you for a minute. I'm not like a Christmas diehard. I enjoy Christmas, but I'm not like Christmas started two months ago. Christmas is an amazing time. So for all of you diehards out there, I'm sorry. And for all of you who are like Scrooges about Christmas, come on, it's about Jesus' birth. Get over it, right? Christmas is a wonderful time of year, and I find myself somewhere kind of in the middle, but I am... I'm excited. I have a renewed sense of excitement for Christmas this year, getting to watch my baby daughter experience it all for the first time. And it's just been so, so cool, so fun watching her as, uh, you know, we got a Christmas tree. (laughs) The first day she was looking at this thing like, what is this in our house? I mean, think about it. It's weird, right? You just brought a whole tree into your house. Uh, But she's starting to get more used to it, and now she likes looking at the lights and even reaching at the ornaments that we very strategically placed higher up on the tree. Yeah. Are you talking to daddy? Hi. How are you? Hi. If you hear somebody talking during my sermon, it's probably just her. Um, and, uh, and so it's just been really fun watching her get to experience all that. I'm, I'm looking forward to Christmas when she uh, gets to open gifts and experience the joy of brand new wrapping paper and empty boxes and maybe some other stuff too, but I know she's just going to have a blast with that. And, uh, and so it's, it's kind of a crazy thing, you know, she doesn't understand Christmas or what it's all about yet, but whether she realizes it or not, she has an excitement and anticipation for what is coming because that's how Christmas is. There is this, this expectation, this anticipation for Christmas, even sometimes in the unknown like it is for her. 700 years before Jesus' birth, the prophet Isaiah He prophesied about the coming Messiah, giving a birth announcement for this baby, including what this baby's name would be 700 years in advance. And this is coming from a prophet from Isaiah who named his own son Maher Shalal Hashbaz. So be thankful for whatever your name is, even if you don't like it, because it could have been that, right? And just imagine if somebody like in the 1300s had dictated then what your name would be today. Kind of a scary thought. But what did Isaiah have to say about this Messiah 700 years in the future? He says, To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We just sang that this morning. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Last week as we began our Advent series, He Shall Be Called, Chris shared with us about Jesus as the mighty God. And if you were not here for that or haven't heard it yet, I encourage you to check it out this week and give it a listen. But this morning we are looking at Jesus as the Prince 
of peace. We lit the peace candle here this morning. We had peace infused into our worship this morning. The Prince of Peace. And I came across uh, this quote this week in our Advent devotional that we're walking through as a church in this season. And if you haven't begun that yet, it's not too late to, to be a part of that. You can find some hard copies out in the coffee bar after service or also a digital copy on our website uh, online. But uh, this is something that I read this week that really connected these ideas of Mighty God and Prince of Peace together. It says this, Perhaps the greatest evidence that the promised one is the Mighty God is this. He is the one the only one with a power great enough to bring lasting peace. He not only brings peace, he is peace. 700 years before Jesus was born, God said through Isaiah, he shall be called Prince of Peace. So Prince of Peace, just what does that mean? Well, I have to be honest with you this morning. I uh, actually, around this time last year, gave a sermon on peace. And in the midst of a very busy season, I was tempted to just reuse it today and see if anybody noticed. <laughs> but I did not do that. I wouldn't do that. And the reality is, last year I got to share about peace and what peace is and how we find it. And you're welcome to go back and listen to that if you want to get a, a bigger idea of what that looks like. But today is really more about Jesus. Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Just what does that mean? Well, in the original Hebrew, Prince of Peace is Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. You might be familiar with that word shalom. It's one that we've talked about here before. Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, really is so much more than that. The, the English translation, that word peace, does not do justice to what shalom is really all about. It's so much more than peace. Shalom is all about our well-being in all aspects of life. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational. It's about peace within, it's about peace with others, and a peace between us and God. That's what shalom is all about. Well, sar, which is the Hebrew word used here for prince, it was used to designate a head person of any rank or class, such as a captain, a chief, a commander, general, governor, keeper, lord, master, prince, ruler, steward, and so on. It was, it was used in an official sense, talking about somebody who had immediate authority as the leader. But a Tsar is still not the person in charge. Even though they're in a place of power, leadership, and authority, there was still somebody else over them who had more power and leadership and authority. But when this gets used talking about Jesus, this Tsar Shalom, it means so much more. There's so much more to this idea of what Isaiah is really getting at. And so I want to share this uh, this thought here with you this morning, something that I came across this week uh, by a Hebrew scholar named Skip Main. And I apologize, this is a long quote, so bear with me. But there's just so much good stuff in here. I wanted to share it here with you today. What does it mean to be the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom? The last title in Isaiah's name for the child is the most startling of them all. Today we are so used to the Prince of Peace appellation for the Messiah that we no longer see how out of place this translation really is. We don't realize that the Hebrew word sar in sar shalom is almost always a designation for a vassal king or a subordinate authority. Isaiah does not want us to make this mistake. In fact, this is the only place in all scripture where the combination sar shalom is used. That should tell us to be very careful about how we translate this title. It is not to be translated in the usual way. This child is not a subordinate or lesser official in the kingdom 
as are all the rest of the Sarum in the Old Testament. When Isaiah coins the title Sar Shalom, he is not thinking of Yeshua, of Jesus, as a subordinate God. Isaiah is thinking of the further purpose of the Messiah. And that further purpose is not just about peace or about who has authority over peace. To determine what Sar means, we must think about the word Shalom. Of course, Shalom does mean peace, and the alliteration Prince of Peace has a pleasant sound. But peace is far too limited in understanding of shalom. Shalom is a word that really means well-being in all aspects of life. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. When one Jew greeted another with the word shalom, it need not mean, have a nice day. It meant, may all that you need for your well-being today come to you this day. That is shalom. This child is the official in charge of all shalom. This child is the well-being authority. If you really want shalom, then you must come to him, for he is the one divinely ordained to give it. Of course, this means that Yeshua, that Jesus, grants peace with God, but that is not the limit of his authority. All that is necessary for mankind to find well-being is under his care. When Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, he meant it. No effort toward well-being is accomplished without the expressed authority of Jesus, even if no one ever acknowledges his power over this effort. All that I need for a life well-lived is to be found in him. No, Prince of Peace is not enough. His authority is much bigger than that. John tells us that his authority extends to all creation, that everything came into being through him. This is no subordinate ruler. This is no prince. This is the king of glory, the absolute monarch of the ages, the alpha and the omega of all that is. I love that. That, that phrase, prince of peace, it sells Jesus short. It doesn't do justice to the fullness of who he is. That phrase, sar shalom, does not capture the full essence of who this Jesus is. So let's talk about this Prince of Peace, this Sar Shalom. As we walk through this Christmas season and we remember as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, this baby who was born so many years ago to bring about peace. And Jesus comes in a peaceful way. He comes in the most humble of ways, a king born as a baby in a manger, in a stable, in a small village, away from so much of the world. And yet, it did not go unnoticed. It did not go without people recognizing what had happened there. Soon after his birth, a host of angels appear to a group of shepherds out in a field nearby, and they tell them the news of what's happened. They encourage them to go to Bethlehem to worship this child. I love what we read in Luke chapter 2, this song of the angels, glory to God in the highest. In other words, glorify God. God is awesome. God is mighty. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. We want to give glory to God and worship him and recognize that in this moment with the birth of this child, it's brought about peace. And how crazy is it that all it took was for this baby to be born. Just a baby. And it brought peace. It brought peace on earth. This was no ordinary baby. This was a baby worthy of worship. Many of us, as parents, can idolize our kids sometimes, sometimes even in unhealthy ways. But this is next level. 
Like worshiping a newborn baby. Can you imagine that? Worshiping a newborn baby. So why do the shepherds even go? Why do they bother with this? Well, besides the fact that a whole bunch of angels just showed up and sang to them and told them to go, probably be obedient in that. You want to check that out. They wanted to see for themselves, what is this all about? This, this Jesus, this Messiah, this Prince of Peace who's born. And then later on in the story, others appear to worship this baby as well. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 2, if you've got your Bible or your device, Matthew chapter 2 is a little bit later on after Jesus' birth, the story that we see of others showing up. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, the story may be familiar to you, it may not be familiar to you. One of the, the constant debates about this story is who these magi are. Were they wise men? Were they astrologers? Were they kings? Were they something else? And the reality is we don't really know. But regardless of who exactly they were, what exactly their role was, the fact remains that a group of Gentile, of non-Jew foreigners, just showed up having traveled from a very long distance as a picture of wisdom or as a picture of royalty, and they showed up to recognize this, this baby, to worship him. And to see him as a king, as a prince. I love this glimpse that we see of royalty, of wisdom, seeking a greater king, a greater prince. And it's so ironic to me the, the juxtaposition in this story of King Herod with the Magi. King Herod, he was king over Judea. And so though he was not a Jew himself, he was ruling over the Jews. And he understood some degree, some of their customs and things like that. And yet, while he says he wants to worship this child, that is a lie. He feels jealous and he feels threatened by this supposed king of the Jews and he wants to kill him. And then we see these magi show up from a far off land. They're not Jews. They are Gentile foreigners and yet they show up to worship, to recognize the kingship of this baby come to bring peace. The prophet Micah is quoted briefly in that story, and I want to expound on that a little bit from Micah chapter 5. 
This is what Micah writes. He says, You, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. This promised Messiah, this Jesus, this Prince of Peace, he is, he will be our peace. His birth brought about peace. And to be clear, Jesus has always existed. He is uncreated. But the the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' birth, it's talking about the birth of peace, the incarnation of it. True shalom made a reality. And just because the promise was fulfilled and peace came when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago does not make peace only a past reality. When we look at the present reality of peace around us, We live in a world that isn't often experiencing or living in that shalom. And so file that thought away for a moment. But in in this moment, let's look ahead. Let's look ahead because there's a future reality to peace as well. All throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, it is filled with, with prophecy. Words that God spoke through prophets of things that would one day come true. And there are many things in Scripture, prophecies, that have already been fulfilled, and there are many that are yet to be fulfilled. That's one of my favorite things about this book, is we are still in the midst of this story. We are still in the midst of what God is doing here. Now, if you've been reading through the Bible this year as part of our our daily Bible reading challenge to get through the Bible in a year, we're actually reaching the end this week. So congratulations if you've made it. Uh, We are reaching the end this week, and among other places, we have been reading in the book of Revelation lately, the last book of the Bible. Revelation is, uh, it's an interesting book. I'll just say that. There is a lot of crazy stuff going on in Revelation. And here I am talking about peace today. And if you've read Revelation, you know it is not a peaceful book at all. It is not a peaceful book. If you're reading through it right now and you're not quite to the end, just keep reading to the end. I promise it gets better. Because even though it's not a peaceful book, Revelation is a story of the future eternal reality of peace. This future reality of Jesus and his return and the peace that will bring. And so I want to give you just a glimpse this morning, just a few snippets from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and and John and Revelation of places that we see talking about what this future shalom, what this peace to come will look like. What do we have to look forward to? Isaiah chapter 11, he writes this, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord." as the waters cover the sea. How cool, how amazing is that? It's like life is a petting zoo, right? That we have that to look forward to. And those of you who are parents, especially of little ones like I am, you're freaking out reading that because you're like, no, stay away from the snake den, right? Don't, don't put your hand there. Don't do that. But there's this peace 
this reality of shalom, of creation, all living together, existing together in perfect peace. John writes in Revelation chapter 21, towards the end of the Bible, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with people, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. How amazing a picture of our future, of our eternity is that as followers of Jesus, that we get to be with God, that his dwelling is with us, that we get to live with him in perfect relationship, in perfect peace. To reiterate what Micah says, he says, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Jesus was our peace, Jesus is our peace, and Jesus will forevermore be our peace, our shalom. Jeremiah says, nevertheless, God speaking, God says, I will bring health and healing to it, to Jerusalem, to my people. I will heal my people and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. That is what God desires for us, abundant peace, security, safety in his arms. And finally, this quote from Carolyn Ahrens, where there is shalom, everything gets to function the way it was created to. Shalom is all about creation functioning the way it was created to. And reading all of these things, it gets me excited for heaven someday. It gets me excited for experiencing the fullness of life, the way that God created and intended us to. That's what he desires for us. And yet we live in this world that, sure, Jesus came 2,000 years ago to bring peace on earth, but I don't always feel that peace on earth. We live in a a broken world full of sin and evil that often is lacking that peace on earth. But one day that evil, that sin is going to be done away with forever and we get to experience living in perfect shalom with God, with Jesus, whole and well in every possible way as individuals and in community as followers of Jesus. This is true shalom. This is what we get to look forward to, to one day experiencing. So how do we get there? What bridges the two, this this 2,000 years ago past reality of, of Jesus being born and bringing peace on earth and this future reality of, of peace in the future and, and shalom getting to experience heaven for eternity after Jesus returns. How do we find peace in the present in the midst of a broken world that's lacking it in a world full of not shalom? Well, not only did Jesus arrive supernaturally as a baby born 2,000 years ago. But he grew into a man who lived the perfect, sinless life that we were created, that we were intended to live. 
He died on that cross, paying the penalty for our sins, taking our place in death. And he resurrected from the grave, conquering sin, conquering death, bringing about new life for us. And just because that happened 2,000 years ago, does, that, does not mean that's all in the past. That is, that can be my present reality today and your present reality today. Isaiah writes this. He says, He, the Messiah, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. The punishment that Jesus endured is what brought about peace for me and what brought about peace for you. Colossians chapter 1, Chris read this last week for us. He says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That peace that shalom we're looking for, it comes through Jesus. It comes through his blood shed on the cross. And to reiterate what Chris read for us earlier from Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So this peace, this shalom in the here and now, it comes to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus and through our faith in him through believing that he is who he says he is, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, born a baby, living a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross in our place, paying the penalty for our sins and death, and resurrecting from the grave to give us new life. If we trust in him, that's how we find true peace. Jesus himself says to his disciples, and this is to all of us as well, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Only in Jesus can we find true peace, true shalom. So I ask you today, is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he on the throne of your life? Because only he deserves to be there. Only he is worthy of your worship. Only he is the prince of peace. And again, those words just don't even do justice to the fullness of who Jesus is. To reiterate this snippet from our long quote earlier, this child is the official in charge of all shalom. This child is the well-being authority. If you really want shalom, then you must come to him, for he is the one divinely ordained to give it. And I love this invitation, one of the last verses in all of Scripture. Revelation 22. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus is inviting you, he's inviting me into relationship to experience true life, to experience true peace, true shalom. Will you come to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, the living water today? Let's pray. Father, you, you are so good, so awesome, and so mighty. You saw fit to send your son to be with us, to be one of us, to walk among us. And Jesus, you willingly came in the humble form of a baby, not as one who would become king, but as one who was born king. And Lord, we remember that we worship you and say glory to God in the highest. 
Thank you for the peace on earth that you have brought and that you will continue to bring. Thank you that you came and that you made a way for peace, for us to experience true relationship, true shalom with you. So Father, if there's anybody here today who has not made a decision to follow you and wants to experience that peace, that shalom that you have created them for. Or let them just pray this in their hearts today. God, I believe that you're good. I believe that you love me, that you created me with purpose, and that you desire for me to know you. Jesus, I believe that you came 2,000 years ago as that baby that you came as the Prince of Peace, that you brought about peace on earth then and now and into the future. I believe that you lived that perfect sinless death that I was meant to live, that you died on that cross in my place, that you paid the penalty of death for my sins that I deserved, and that you rose from the grave conquering sin and death to bring me new life. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I want to be done with that. I confess those sins to you, I want to trust and follow you, that you would fill me with your perfect peace, with your shalom, or that I would make peace in relationship with you, knowing that you have made a way for peace in me. So Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to gather, to worship, to remember you as the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom. It's in your wonderful, amazing, precious name of peace that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning as we continue to look ahead towards Christmas and towards remembering and celebrating the birth of Jesus, the birth of this newborn baby born, the Prince of Peace, who would one day die on the cross for us, for you and for me. We want to take some time to remember that in uh, partaking in the Lord's Supper and communion together this morning. And this is just an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross knowing that he went through that in order to bring you peace, in order to bring me peace, that shalom that he desires for us. And so here today at FBC, we have open communion, which just means that if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come and be a part of, of the Lord's Supper together. Um, just to help keep things a little bit more organized, if people want to come down these main center aisles and then return back to your seats around the sides, that'll just keep the flow a little bit easier. Uh, but I just encourage you as you come, uh, grab, it's double stacked cups, so there's the juice on the top, the bread on the bottom. Make sure you take both cups, where there's also prepackaged ones as well. And as you come, as you go back to your seat, and as we partake in communion together, I just invite you to reflect on this baby, this baby who was born, knowing what he would one day go through, what he went through for you and for me. So whenever you feel ready, go ahead and come down the center aisles and uh, come and grab the elements, and we'll partake together.
Isn't it nice that even in moments that sometimes lack peace, we still know Jesus is our peace? So we read in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pray with me. Father, thank you for sending your son to us, Jesus. Thank you for willingly coming, for being willing to give your body for us as the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, knowing what you would go through and yet knowing what it would bring about. So Jesus, we thank you, we remember you, we worship you in this place today. Take and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed on that cross for us. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made in order to bring us new life in you. Take and drink. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the peace that you brought, that you continue to bring, and that you will bring on into the future. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, all right, I just get shalom, I just experience peace because of Jesus. That's it, that's all I need, right? And that's true. But there still is a part that we have to play as followers of Jesus. We can't just sit back and wait for eternity to happen. We have a part to play here and now in the present. We get to experience this peace and this shalom in the present because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But just because we haven't yet reached that perfect shalom of the future does not mean we can't, still bringing a, we can't still play a part in bringing about the peace on earth, the shalom that God desires and that we ought to desire for our world to have. Jonathan Martin says, because the Prince of Peace gives us his spirit, we are called to be people from the future, people who practice shalom here and now. And it just makes me think of Jesus as he prays in the Lord's Prayer. He says, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, as followers of Jesus, we need to be about bringing heaven down to earth. Bringing heaven down to earth. Bringing that future shalom here and now in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of our own brokenness and imperfection. Paul tells the Romans, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So this, this final quote I want to share with you in closing. This Advent, when you face a situation in which peace is sorely needed, ask the Lord, what action or attitude would most move this situation towards the comprehensive flourishing of everyone and everything involved? 
this Christmas season, I encourage you to exercise that fruit of the Spirit of peace, to put it into practice, not just doing your best to keep the absence of chaos. That's not what shalom is about. But how can you do your best in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about shalom, wholeness, well-being in all aspects of life all around you as together we look forward to, we anticipate, we worship, we celebrate this newborn Sar Shalom. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that we get to take time to especially worship you, to celebrate, and to remember who you are and what you've done for us. Pray for each person here today, in person or watching online. Father, I pray that they would take up the mantle of peace, that they would, that we would live out that fruit of the Spirit in this season. When we find ourselves in situations of chaos or tension, that Holy Spirit, your peace would just exude from us in those moments. Pray that people would see the ways that we handle things and that they would bring you glory, Father, that it wouldn't be about us, that it would be simply because of you working in us. Let us be people of peace. Let us be people who practice shalom here and now. Let us be people who bring heaven down to earth the best that we can in your power and your strength. And Father, be with us as we go from this place. We worship you. We give you praise this day. In your name we pray, amen.